please uh, open your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. Uh, we've been working through the Gospel of Matthew over the last uh, term, and uh, we've come to this place in Matthew's Gospel, verses 46 to 50, and you'll find that on page 978 in the Church Bibles. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 to 50. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is God's word. In every art gallery around the world, it is most likely that you'll find at least one depiction of the Christmas family. Mary... The mother holding her first baby, Jesus. Here's a few I came across. I bet that's never happened in Charlotte Chapel before. Uh, Perhaps you've received um, a Christmas card uh, containing sort of a classical image like this, a themed image on the front of it. It has actually been a captivating image uh, for artists and for audiences and I've been reflecting on why that is. There's a number of reasons for it, I think. There's a sense in which, of course, every baby uh, is a miracle. If you've ever studied any embryology of how a fetus grows and develops in a mother's womb, it is an incredible thing that two cells could get together and then start dividing and dividing and dividing, and out of these dividing cells... Uh, come different uh, types of cells and, uh, and then organs are formed and then to see actually the ways that bits of your organs are formed and move throughout the body you wouldn't believe where organs move around in your body just to get into the right perfect place in the developing fetus for life and, and when you see that then I think the only way that you could describe it really is it's miraculous It's miraculous that so many babies are born healthy and with everything in basically the right place. It's an incredible thing. And so it's true of every every baby that you look at. It's it's kind of a miracle. But of course, this picture confronts us with uh, an even more profound mystery. And it is is this, that this baby born of Mary uh, did not come from a man. But because God, by his Holy Spirit, created uh, in the womb of Mary a holy embryo, that this baby is both fully God and fully man. 
And, and that really is why so many portraits are painted, because it is, it is reflecting on this incredible mystery that this baby who was uh, fully human, born in a normal way, and was dependent on Mary for food and care, is the God who created her, is the God who sustains her. Now, how do you wrap your brain around that? You can't. We, we've just sung, uh, Behold the Mystery. Come behold the wondrous mystery. It is a mind-blowing thought, and we struggle to get our brains around it. But of course, accepting it uh, makes all the other claims of the miraculous deeds of, of the Lord Jesus seem entirely understandable. For the God who spoke words uh, and the universe was created... Well, then, feeding a few thousand people with some loaves and fishes is no big deal, really, is it? For the, for the God who uh, said, let there be plants and seeds, and, and, and they sprung up out of the ground, well, it's no big deal for him to turn water into wine. For the God who made the seas, it's no big deal if he chooses he wants to walk on the seas. Uh, for him who breathed life, into the sort of the, the man that he'd formed from the, from the earth and, and gave it life. It's no big deal for this God to raise the dead. Now, the, the great uh, struggles that people have with the various miracles of Jesus are, are not really to be worried about. It, it's this great mystery that God became human flesh. It's all here. And if you see this and get this, and all of that is entirely uh, logical and, uh, and understandable. And this is exactly the claim of Matthew. If you've been with us uh, over the last year or so, you, you'll remember, well, actually probably it was last year now, that uh, we looked at Matthew chapter 1. And uh, this is the, the claim that uh, Matthew, one of the disciples, makes of, of the life of Jesus. He says this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it is this remarkable divine human nature uh, that is the reason why Matthew decided to pen his account of the life of Jesus. So that by reading it, we can know what God is like as we hear what Jesus said and see what Jesus did in his life as we read his accounts. But even more than that, he wrote this because he wants us to hear the good news of how we who are actually excluded from God's presence because of our sin, we can enter into the kingdom of God through understanding that he came to be our savior. He came to open up the way into uh, a relationship with God and into the everlasting kingdom. That he purposefully lived his life knowing that he'd be heading towards his death to sacrifice himself in the place of sinners so that all who trust him will be saved. And that's one of the reasons why this is such an amazing picture. There's another reason that it grabs our attention, I guess, and it grabs our attention because it speaks of the unique relationship of a mother and her baby. It is the most incredible thing. 
that a woman carries within her own body this little life, this growing fetus, this embryo. And uh, when she, the pregnant mother is eating, she's not eating just for herself, she's eating for two, and sometimes even three. And even in our church last year, eating for four. Incredible. How much you must have ate, Jenny. We know one mouth feeding four people. That's incredible, isn't it? What an incredible intimate thing it is that a, a, a woman carries a little one inside of her. And then this little one comes into the world as really helpless. And the mother has to kind of uh, sacrificially devote herself to the feeding and the care and the nurture of this little one. And it creates this incredible, intimate, close bond. And I suppose this picture of a, of a mother and a baby captures that. And I suppose that's why in some Christian traditions... They've added doctrines not taught in the Bible that play on this unique role that Mary had as the mother of Jesus that somehow makes her an object of prayer and devotion in the life of the Christian. Now that's probably another reason why that there are so many pictures of, of, of Mary holding the baby Jesus. As you look at some of them, it's almost as if the attention has shifted from the baby to the mother, which kind of gets it all the wrong way around. Which brings me really to this unusual Christmas Bible passage. I'm, I'm sure you've probably not had it at Christmas time. Uh, here in Matthew chapter 12. So you might want to open it back up if you've closed your Bibles to page 978. Because I think these verses challenge uh, the whole idea that I've just been thinking about of some unique place that Mary has. And actually enables us to have another way of viewing these pictures of, of uh, the mother Mary with her baby. Can you picture the scene here? As we frequently found, as we read through the gospel accounts, there are large crowds listening to Jesus. And although it's not fully spelt out, it, it appears that Jesus must be teaching inside some building and that the, the place is full, or maybe the courtyard's full, the crowds are spilled out uh, to the outside and everyone's craning to listen to what Jesus has to say. So much so that when Mary and, uh, comes with some of her other sons to speak to Jesus, they're prevented from getting to him because of the crowds. And so a man brings the news to Jesus that uh, his family are waiting outside and they want to speak to him. And in that context, Jesus teaches something remarkable. Look at verse 48. He replied to him. And this, is, this is quite shocking in some ways, isn't it? Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And then pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now what is being taught here? Is it that families are unimportant? No, I don't think that's the case. It doesn't mean that Jesus considered his mother and brothers as unimportant. We don't know, for example, what happened next. But maybe having taught this, he then went out and had a conversation with them. We don't know that. Certainly what we do read when we get to John's gospel is even as he's in the agony of being executed upon the cross, he sees his mother there and he sees his disciple John and speaking to both of them, he directs John to take care of his mother. 
So even in his moment of agony, he had care and concern for his mother. So I don't think that this is saying that Jesus didn't care about his mother at all. Families are important. But the wonderful thing that Jesus is teaching here in these verses is that his disciples are invited into the same um, closest of relationships of a loving family with him. They wanted to speak to Jesus, but he points to his disciples and he says, Look, here are my mother and my brothers. All disciples of the Lord Jesus are welcomed into the family of God. This is amazing. Now, I don't know what sort of family you grew up in. I know that some people grow up having very difficult childhoods where there was little affection and sometimes even harm. But even if that's the case, I think we all know what the ideal family life is supposed to look like. What is family? Family is a place of, is a place where you're welcome, aren't you? Other people may lock the door, but your family's a place where they're supposed to let you in. You can just walk in, put your feet up, and sit back. Family is a place where you're welcomed, where you're loved, where you're accepted. It's a place of warmth. It's a place of inclusion. It's a place where you belong. That is family. And that is the nature of the relationship that all who turn from self-dependence to trust Jesus enter into. This is what Jesus means when he says, Look, here are my mother and my brothers. And what is the family likeness that marks out those in the family of God? Well, there it is in verse 50. Here's the family likeness. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Notice with me, family likeness is not down to skin color or intelligence or good looks, but is shown by desire to obey God. Jesus has a totally unique way in which he could call God, his Father, having existed uh, co-equal with the Father and with the Spirit through all eternity, and then through his earthly life, joyfully submitting himself under the will of his Father as he was born in Bethlehem, grew into manhood, and lived his life choosing to go to the cross and take God's punishment for our sins. And so he can speak of the Father in a totally unique way. But through faith in Jesus, we're invited to call on this same God as our loving Heavenly Father. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, he or she is the one who is uh, marked out as being in this loving, closest of all relationships, being related to Jesus and to the Father. And that's really why one of the great evidences that someone is a true disciple of Jesus is that they put themselves in the place of listening to Jesus. It's the disciples as they are gathered around Jesus, listening to him teach. That is the context that Jesus points out, that here are my mothers and my brothers. It is these who, these who are listening because they're seeking to obey him that are being depicted here. And here's one of the ways you can know if you're a genuine Christian or not. Have you got a hunger 
to hear what Jesus has to say? Is there a desire within you, a commitment to, to read his words, to come and hear it preached? Uh, and to come with the desire that I, I want to hear what he has to say because I want to put it into practice. Because that's the family characteristic. And one of the great blessings for the disciple of the Lord Jesus is the privilege that we have to speak to him and to come before God in prayer in his name. The whole notion that we should pray to Mary is, is wrong. It's without any biblical basis. And I find it interesting that in this account, uh, Mary um, is on the outside She's wanting to speak to Jesus, but is unable to do so. We do not need to pray to Mary as if she is, uh, has some sort of unique claim on Jesus that we do not have. She doesn't. All who have become disciples of the Lord Jesus have equal access, equal claim of affection and love, equal right to be part of God's family. Equal privilege to draw near and speak to him. You don't need to be a pastor or a priest or a bishop or a pope to get any closer. All his disciples have this amazing privilege as we come by faith to him in prayer. Isn't that a wonderful thing? See, when I see the picture of Mary and the baby Jesus and consider this passage what I see is a picture of intimacy and love that is open to all believers Mary there is sort of the prototype of every believer that closeness there is the closeness that we are invited to when it comes to Christ and I don't know if Christmas will be a day with lots of people in your home or whether actually it will be a bit of a, a day where you feel lonely but for disciples of, the, of Jesus Christ, we are never separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you know what? This is just a great time of the year when we who will be cooking the big meal could invite some of our brothers and sisters who would otherwise be alone to join us on Christmas Day to make tangible that we are part of the Christmas family. It's more than mere biology, isn't it? For those of us in Christ. It's wider than all of that. And we have an opportunity of expressing that this Christmas. Who could you invite this year? As I close, who is invited into this closest of relationships? Who's invited? Who's welcome to this? Well, look at verse 50. It's got a wonderful word. Do you see it? What's the word? Whoever. Whoever. Who is welcome to know such a relationship with God and with his son Jesus this Christmas? Whoever. That includes Scottish people, Welsh people, English people, Irish people, Germans, Australians, Nigerians, Malaysians, Koreans. Whoever is welcome. None are excluded from this invitation. It means all ages, doesn't it? 
we're, we're teaching the little ones how they can know God as Father because children are welcome. Teenagers, in all their sullenness, they're welcome. Young adults, welcome. Middle-aged, sagging in life, you're welcome. Old age, welcome. Whoever, it says, whoever. I love it. There's no exclusion based on background. Whether you're part of the royal family or you've grown up in uh, a large uh, house with estates and you're, you're, you're in the Tatler magazine on a regular basis or whether you're someone of humble circumstance or maybe you're dirt poor. Whoever. Maybe you're a librarian. Maybe you're a dentist. Maybe you're a nurse. Maybe you're a parking warden. Maybe you're an estate agent, a journalist. Whoever is welcome. This invitation goes out to all. Whatever their life experience, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, whether you're remarried, maybe your relationships have been successful. Maybe your relationships have been a disaster. Maybe you feel embarrassed by your choices, your failures. Perhaps you feel weak and struggling and sinful. None are excluded from this wonderful invitation of friendship with God, of being part of his much-loved family. You are welcome. You are invited. You are included. You can be accepted if you accept the invitation of the Lord Jesus, whoever. Now, perhaps you're here as someone who still has lots of questions about Christianity. You'll see in the bulletin that there's an opportunity to explore some of the big issues of life in a smaller kind of environment, in a more relaxed environment. And if you're interested to ask the big questions about life and everything and you want to dig in a bit deeper, why don't you fill out one of the Christmas Connect cards and let us know and we'll let you get in touch with you. But perhaps you know and believe but haven't yet responded. Maybe you want some help to know how to become a Christian. Well, fill out the Connect card and indicate that. Give it to someone with a Connect badge. But you know what? The simple answer is this. You talk to him in prayer. You repent. You say sorry for your sins and and, and your your willful self-dependence. And you ask him for forgiveness. You ask him to come into your life and to change you. Here's this wonderful invitation that Jesus Uh, speaks out just a chapter before. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. None are excluded today. You simply must come to Christ, whoever come to him today let's pray